peace be in this house. And I'm not talking about the peace that the world offers. I'm talking about the peace that Jesus Christ alone can offer. Um, so often we think about peace and we think, of, well, it's something that there's no controversy, there's no disagreement, there's nothing else, and so obviously there's peace. But that's not, not the type that Jesus offers. There, there could be disagreements and still be peace, I think. Um, there can even be peace in a troubled environment. Last night, we had the opportunity to go visit um, Elijah. And, and there was rooms and rooms and more rooms with sick people in them. And it would be so interesting, sometime when there's no restriction on hospital visits, I'd like to go around the rooms and ask each person about the journey that he or she is on. Because it is, it is just... Thinking about peace, even in a storm like that, is just really something um, to think about. Um, to give a little bit of an idea of how long this, this uh, message was brewing, um, it actually was based off of our visit with Elijah and his family last night. And I had another... <laughs> I had another message that I had percolating under the surface, but I decided to go this way because I didn't feel like I was prepared to deliver the other one. And, and I think I've got plenty here. The way, that it looks, the way it looks, the clock is ticking. And I'm gonna jump, it's not my text. It's just the scripture reading that I'm gonna be starting off with. It's gonna be in an Acts 27, verses 18 to 44, and I might not even read all of it for the sake of time. Um, which when they had taken, this is uh, describing Paul's trip with a ship, and he had told them that he's there, you know, it's really not a good idea to be taking this trip because it's too dangerous. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be going at this time of the year. But then they, they ran into problems. And, and, and I believe that the sailors that he was going with were, were seasoned sailors. They knew what they were, what they were doing. And they, they ran into a storm that really kind of shook them to the core. They, they ended up putting ropes around the, the ship to help hold it together so that it'd be able to weather the storms a little better. And then it says in verse, uh, yeah, in verse 17, it says, when, which when they had taken out, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, strake sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. So they're starting to unload their cargo. The stuff that they're actually, that was precious, the, the thing that, you know, if, if you don't make a delivery at the end of the, at the end of the ride, it's really a pretty unprofitable journey that they had. But, so they're, they're dumping some of their stuff. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. The stuff that's important to make the ship operate, you know, they're, they're tossing that across now. When neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, See, this is what I told you. Well, this isn't quite the way that he said. He Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete to have gained this harm and loss. Now I exhort you, of, be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship, which would be encouraging in the end. 
For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whom I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come as were driven up and down in Adria about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and found, sounded and found it twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And this is the point that I was talking, uh, that I was getting at, was the anchors. What are these anchors that they're talking about? A ship anchor back in those days was, the way that I understand it, was probably something like a, a heavy chunk of metal with two curved hooks. Um, there was a whole bunch of different ways that they could make an anchor, but it was, the purpose of the anchor was to keep the ship it, it, they would put it down and it would drag along the surface and hopefully it would anchor onto something solid that would keep the ship at a place that they wanted it because sometimes they weren't able to go into a harbor into a nice secluded area where they could tie up. And so if they didn't have the ship anchored, have any of you ever sat on a boat, um, whether it even be in a lake, whatever else, all it took was just a gust of wind or you know just the waves rocking the boat would always drive you to a place where you didn't want to be. When you were sitting on top of a nice fishing hole, um, it would always blow you right out of that fishing hole. You wouldn't stay in that perfect spot unless you had an anchor. And that was the purpose of the anchor. But So they put their four anchors down. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the four ship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. There, you won't be tempted to do this anymore. We're going to get rid of this boat. Um, and while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you to take your you some meat, for this is your health, for there shall not a hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. Notice this is the first time that it talks about prayer. And I, I would like to also mention that in today's world, in today's modern Christianity as we know it today, so often... Prayer is the last resort instead of the first thing that we go to. That's the first thing that we should maybe be uh, thinking about is God, you know, help us in this situation. Um, and it doesn't even need to be in a time of need. What about in the times of good times, the times of blessings that he's provided, which a lot of us have a lot more blessings than we do, than we do bad times. And I'm not, I think, even today, we've got fellow brothers and, and sisters in Ukraine, in Russia, in Israel, and in Gaza, I would imagine, that, you know, despite having their homes blown to bits, having their, you know, just a rough life in general, they still are able, should be able to get up in the morning and say, thank you, God, for providing for my needs today. Um, 
And we were in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into the which they were minded if it were possible to thresh a ship. When they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves into the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoist up the mainsail to the wind and made towards shore. And this is another thing that I thought I'd mention, and that is that this was before the the motorized ships. I mean, I don't think that the motorized ships of today nearly depend on the anchors the way that they, they used to back then when there was only sails. <clears throat> and when they had taken um, and fallen into place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves and the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion willing to save Paul kept them from the purpose and commanded that they which should, should or could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get into land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. So we are talking about an anchor. And the title of my message would be considered, Will My Anchor Hold? So what is the purpose of an anchor? to keep the ship from being wrecked and running aground, to keep the ship from drifting into rocky places that can destroy it, and to maintain ground it has already traversed. We don't want to go backwards. I mean, we'd like to go forward, but if we can't go forward, at least holding our own, and then to keep it constant and useful. Kay Jones was working one day in her kitchen and was listening to the radio, and this is the time of, of World War II, and she was listening to all the news that was happening, and, and the Germany, Germans were starting to make advances into uh, Poland and a few other places, and um, there were bombing places. There was a lot of, there was stories of death and destruction, and it was an, it was an awful, awful time. And you know, um, what could she do? What, what kind of an anchor would there be that she could hold on to at a time like that? And I think that's, those are things that we face today. It wasn't just Kay Jones in, in the, back in those times. It was a, it's a thing that all of us are facing today. We're, we're looking at Gaza and Israel and saying, this is just terrible, the destruction that is going on. All the innocent lives that are getting destroyed. This is awful, and what's going to happen next, you know? But there... Uh, these are the words that Kay Jones penned. And I don't know if any of you are familiar with it, but to me, it was an, it was an old song that we always, or we sang for a long time. Um, but I don't know, I looked in our church hymnary and, and it did, wasn't in there. It said, she wrote these words and said, in times like these, you need a savior. In times like these, you need an, uh, an anchor. Be very sure. Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. In times like these, you need the Bible. In times like these, oh, be not idle. Be very sure, be very sure this anchor holds and grips the solid rock. And then she ends up with a triumphant note in the last, in the last uh, verse. She says, in times like these, I have a savior. In times like these, I have an anchor. I'm very sure, I'm very sure my anchor holds and grips a solid rock. And how could she be sure of that? Every one of us have got that promise that we can be grounded, firm, and deep in the Savior's love. 
the Korah says this rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. I'm very sure, I'm very sure my anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Um, that is the same faith that I want today. That is the same faith that I can, I can have this confidence whether my child be sick, whether he even be dying in the hospital, whether my car breaks down and I have no money to pay for it, whether my marriage is falling apart, whether the list could go on and on. And you know, we could be shook to the core and yet we have an anchor that keeps the soul. Um, we, um, we live in an age today where morality is on the rocks. We live in an age today where the world is trying and is succeeding to encroach into the, into the churches um, and the biblical principles. Um, we live in a world today where, where the paths of righteousness um, are getting avoided like the plague. It, it feels like, hey, we don't want to have those paths. We don't want to get onto those paths of righteousness at any cost. Um, and then we look for substitutes. We look for a substitute anchor that can hold us. And a lot of people today have found substitute anchors. But I want to tell you, I, I not only want to tell you, but I, I, I'm very positive of this, that none of them, none of those temporary substitutes for God's anchors will hold in the time of storm. Some of us look at substituting the um, anchor of Jesus Christ as, as the education. You know, maybe, maybe if I know a lot more, maybe if I'd be further educated, maybe if I'd be a smarter person, um, I would know these things and I wouldn't, I wouldn't really need God for my anchor. We had a country called Germany that produced a lot of Nazis. They were the most educated people out there. And I am not against education. But that is not the answer. That's not the anchor of my, my soul. There's people that put their anchor in health. We have this idea that if I eat right, if I lose the right amount of pounds, if I go to the gym and work out, spend thousands of dollars on exercise, um, and then physically fit, there's probably a good chance that I'll be living happily ever after. I want to tell you that today, if they haven't died, they will die. Every person, there's no person that's so physically fit that they won't die at some point in time. They, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's an anchor that won't hold. There's some people, and I think this touches a whole lot closer to home than we ever want to put their, uh, put their hope in the anchor of wealth. You know, Bill Gates is one of the wealthiest men out there. And I don't care who you put into that. It can be, it can be Lynn Helmuth. I don't care who you put into it. If, if your anchor isn't in Jesus Christ, it will get blown to pieces. Um, there, was, there was a ship... Um, Man, the name, I lost it. It was something electric. 
1985, had her anchors down, and she had an eight-ton eight anchor, and it, it was a really stormy time, and, and the anchor let loose wherever they had been, and it came back, and it shattered the hull of that ship. The very thing that was supposed to be holding it shattered it, and it sank. Took 31 sailors down with it. Um, I think that's, that can be the way that it is with wealth. The very thing that you expected that will probably save you in the end can destroy you. Um, because we don't have the true value, we don't have the true anchor, we lose the value of life. In our pursuit of life, happiness, and freedom, we lose sight of what really is important. Jesus Christ is, after all, he's the one that, that we need to be looking at and focusing on. I need to, I need to keep going, but the, the text in Hebrews is where the actual text is taken out. It's in Hebrews 6. Um, and there's not a lot of places that it actually talks about anchors, but in Hebrews 6, it actually talks about anchors. It talks a lot more about foundation, about the rock of Jesus Christ. It, and verse 13, starting in chapter 6, verse 13, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, um, Where was I at? saying, Surely blessings I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise, for God verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation to them to the end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things it, in which it was impossible for God to lie, so might I have we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay upon the hold set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entered into that within the veil. With, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So we look at this uh, passage of Scripture, and we see that long before Jesus Christ was, God made a promise to Abraham, and he didn't need, you know, in today's world, we have contracts that we sign, and we have, on these contracts, we have almost every imaginable thing that could possibly or might possibly go wrong, and so we have ourselves protected from those things, and that's what we call the fine print, and um, it's, it's a thing that God doesn't need. He's, he made an oath. And have any of you ever seen where God actually let you down? Did you think that he might have let you down? But in the end, he didn't. He knew exactly what he was doing. And God doesn't need a contract. He, he's just by an oath, he swore to Abraham that he would be a, a um, nation with innumerable people that would be a blessing 
to not only his generation, but to generations for future generations forever. How many of you would be, feel blessed to be in that um, position? Abraham had a whole lot of time that he, he could have sat there and he said, you know, I'm, I'm an old man. You know, let's not, let's, let's get on with the program. I mean, I'm not getting any younger here, Lord. I mean, if, if you're going to send me some, some children, let's get with it, you know. Um, and he became an impatient. He became like most of us did. Uh, would, you know, we're like, okay, we've got to take things into our own hands. I think it's time that we adopt. It's time that we, you know, we need to do something to get the ball rolling. We need to help God out a little bit. Can't you see? I mean, we're not, you know, God, we're not doubting you. It's just that we see that you need a little help. We can't just sit on our behinds and, you know, just take a break. We, we've got to get on with it. But Abraham sees later that God provides for him. He provides, he, he didn't back down on his promise. He protects, and Sarah were by themselves. They could, have, they could have felt like, the troops are all gonna overtake us. And realistically, according to numbers, yep, that would have happened. But God protected them. He provided for them. You know, there was a lot of times that you would have thought that there was no way out of this. He's gonna starve. Um, there's going to be a lot of other things happening, but, but God provided for him. And I, I still believe today that God, in his, in his unfailing providence, still produces and provides that anchor that each one of us needs. In Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not into thy own understandings. All thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. You know, it's really easy. When things are going bad, we can say, well, I think God had good intentions here, but we need to reverse this somehow. We don't need to worry about that. Psalms 27.5 says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide us in his pavilion. If we aren't anchored in Jesus, we'll soon drift away. So let's be as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 5, uh, 58, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for ye know that your work, labor is not in vain. And then I want to end up with one quote yet. It says, being caught between a rock and a hard place is not a bad thing, providing that Jesus is your rock. Let's have Jesus. Let's have God for our anchor in today's world because it isn't, there's a lot of turbulence out there. May God bless.